This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was a lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. Are you looking to engage with regional decision makers, business leaders, elected officials, and industry professionals committed to improving downtown San Diego? Join the Downtown San Diego Partnership. As a member, you'll receive access to exclusive resources, exposure to special programming, networking functions, and additional opportunities unmatched by any other local membership-based organization. Join the driving forces behind the future of downtown San Diego. For a 10% discount, become a member today. The Atlantis Group are land use consultant experts. We help clients navigate the maze of governmental land use policies and regulations to meet their goals. We evaluate development opportunities for entitlement requests and potential environmental constraints and we specialize in project management from concept to approval. Learn more at atlantissd.com. That's A-T-L-A-N-T-I-S-S-D.com. Okay, here we go. Na, 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 na. Oh, you know this one. Masi Nissan, Masi Nissan moves you. All right, okay, can we hear that jingle? Welcome to the most popular political public affairs podcast recorded in modern times tonight. I'm Scott Lewis, Voice San Diego podcast. Thanks for coming for tonight. Welcome to Modern Times, by the way. Isn't this great? We're so glad this asset is still in this community. It's wonderful. Thank you. Um, all right. Uh, tonight's show is going to be a lot about taxes and fees. And I need a volunteer to help us kick it off. Does anybody want to talk taxes and fees? Somebody, you get a special prize, an exciting Prize, we got one? Wait, we got one back there? You wanna try it? You can, John, you can do the next one, all right? Come on up, come on up. Have you done it before? Okay, what's your name? Tim. Tim O'Neill. Where do you live? Uh, Chula Vista. Chula Vista, all right. What is most important to you about local city affairs or, or San Diego affairs? Uh, um, Mostly improving the infrastructure around, around the towns. Uh, There's a man who says the word infrastructure. He's part of our family, everybody. 
Anybody who says the word infrastructure that easily, part of us, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so I have a game for you. In California, if a government wants to raise taxes, it needs to get a vote of the people. Now, you can help him out, okay? It needs to get a vote of the people. If the tax is for a special purpose, it needs two-thirds of the vote. If it's just a general purpose tax to give the government more money, only a simple majority of voters need to sign off on it. Government can impose fees, however, without a vote of the people. The fee, though, has to pay for a service or infrastructure that the fee payer is using, right? <clears throat> so, I'm going to read a series of fees or taxes and you have to decide, is it a fee or is it a tax? All right, number one. In the wake of January flooding, San Diego City Council President Sean Elo Rivera announced he wants San Diego property owners to pay for stormwater infrastructure. It will most likely be a charge on how much property they own in addition to stormwater fee that's already on their bills. Is it a fee or a tax? We'll go with tax. It's a tax, congratulations. The city began charging organizations that get permits for city parks and fields a $1 charge per hour per location for a quote, opportunity fund for the city's equity-based recreation program. Is it a fee or is it a tax? Fee, we'll go with fee. Well, it looks like a tax, but they just passed it without vote, so it's a fee! The city charged businesses that build commercial developments, offices, hotels, restaurants, or retail, up to $2.12 per square foot to pay for affordable housing. Is it a tax or a fee? Let's go with fee. It's a fee, the linkage fee. Who knows linkage fee here? We got some people, yeah, yeah, Lisa, stop it, stop it. Lisa Halberstow, I do, yeah, come on. All right. The city collects a 2% surcharge on hotel room bills to promote tourism in San Diego. A fee or a tax? It's obviously a tax, but it's a fee. It's somehow a fee. An additional charge on hotel bills in the city of San Diego to pay for an expanded convention center, homeless services, and road repair. You pay more the closer your hotel is to the convention center. Is it a fee or is it a tax? It's a tax. That's a tax. Let's go. Let's hear it. All right, a couple more. You want to do a couple more? No, no, you got it. You got it. Come on. To help fund affordable housing, some local leaders are supporting the idea that sellers should pay on uh, real estate transactions, a little bit of a something. If you sell a home or a property for more than $2.5 million, you'd have to pay 1.75%. That would be nearly $44,000 on the sale of the $2.5 million home. Is it a fee or a tax? It's a tax. That's a tax. No, it's just a tax. A surcharge on rental cars. The money was used to pay for a parking garage in South Bay. Fee or tax? Fee. They tried to make it a fee, but it was ruled a tax and thrown out. All right, last one. Are you ready? This is a really controversial one. You guys ready for this one? When you lose, hang in there. Hold on. 
When you lose weight, it leaves your body as carbon dioxide that you exhale. CO2, carbon dioxide, is a, of course a greenhouse gas. A new proposal would add a 5% surcharge to gym memberships to mitigate that carbon dioxide to fund wetland restoration throughout the city. Fee or tax? Fee. No, it's a tax. And it's completely fake. I just made that up. All right. Thank you so much for participating. Let's hear it, huh? Welcome to the Voice of San Diego podcast. This is the actual show. So excited to have you, and thanks for coming tonight again. Thanks to Modern Times for having us. Um, yeah, let's go. Um, this has been a really uh, tough couple of weeks for a lot of people in San Diego, and we wanted to recognize that. I also wanted to recognize what this city can do when something has happened, when there's been a catastrophe, when, when an emergency has been declared, how fast it can work, how many people it can get into shelter, how quickly that can happen. And it makes you wonder why that isn't happening now with, without a flood. Why does it take a, a sudden catastrophe to react with that collective power uh, that happens when something like that happens when an ongoing catastrophe uh, uh, doesn't spur that kind of urgency. It's something I think about a lot, right? When COVID hit, uh, they were able to mobilize all kinds of facilities, tents and, and extra places where people, ventilators, all kinds of things that we mobilize. Uh, but the fentanyl crisis just continues and we don't mobilize in the same way as a collective uh, um, a community. And then there's the, uh, the ongoing housing crisis. A thousand people displaced. Our Will Huntsbury found and finally collected the exact number of how many people were displaced. A thousand people displaced. There's immediately vouchers and all kinds of things for them. Uh, but over time, the last several years, the catastrophe of homelessness hasn't resulted in that kind of collective will. But I'm excited to, uh, to talk to a few people. Uh, first off, our environment reporter. She spent the last few weeks in southeastern San Diego following what's happened. Um, uh, Mackenzie Elmer, what's up, Mackenzie? Hello. I like to call her our Earth, Wind, and Fire reporter. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know Is you thought. Yeah, I'm down with that. Hell yeah. What have you seen so far uh, over, over the last couple of weeks down there? I thought to go down to to Southcrest to check out the flooding. Um, I actually was uh, trying to make a TikTok for you about why we had all of this crazy rain, the atmospheric rivers, and um, kind of get into the science behind all that. But when I hit the street, um, I started to just like hear all of these stories, and I got really impassioned by like just kind of watching and listening to the severe destruction that had happened in that community. I mean. In my previous um, journalism experience, I had covered flooding in like the Midwest, but that's usually like a very slow, we have a lot of like warning that the river's gonna crest and like it's a different kind of disaster. But this was really just like a flash flood where water rose so fast that people didn't expect it. And it was just a different kind of, of destruction um, that was experienced down there. Um, you ran into uh, uh, one story that was really powerful and it was about, uh, a neighbor in um, in South Perez. Uh, let's let's bring him up. What do you yeah, say, let's bring up uh, Jesse Preciado? Woo! 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 
Uh, you might have read the story that McKinsey did about Jesse. Uh, when, when things got crazy, he, um, he put on a wetsuit, was able to dive through the water and, and free a, a drain that had got clogged, and, and at least uh, uh, from what we can tell, saved a lot of homes from further damage. Uh, Jesse, uh, welcome, thanks. Hi, thanks for having me here. Yeah. Uh, every crisis breeds people who step up and who see that they need to do something. There's some, uh, some people run away from what's happening and some people run to it, and, and Jesse ran to it. Uh, tell us about what happened. Well, when I woke up that morning, I wasn't going to think that I was going to have to have this uh, challenge overcoming, you know. So I woke up like everybody else. I went straight to work while it was raining. And I'm a painter, so I shouldn't even gone to work that day. But, you know, we had a timeline that we had to finish the work. So I went and I took a nice pretty picture of, like, downtown airport. And it didn't look bad at all. About 11.30 or so, I got a text from my brother, and he sent me a picture of the house almost getting flooded, the whole bottom part, the whole driveway. His little Miata was almost floating away, and um, I didn't know what to do at the time. Uh, it looked kind of crazy, so um, I was like, maybe this is something that I can't control. So I kind of chilled, and then next thing I know, it was 12 o'clock, so I can leave for my lunch. I look at my phone and there's like five more pictures of the house and the water is getting higher and higher. So I say, you know, I got to go home. So I jump in my car, the little Mini Cooper, <laughs> and I just jetted home. I was in the emergency lane most of the time on the freeway because the cars were stuck. And the, as soon as I got home, um, the first thing that I saw was my whole block underwater. It looked like a beach. I never seen that like that. Um, so instantly, without really even thinking, um, seeing all my neighbors wet, cold, with their pets, I just took off my clothes. And I think I was pretty much getting on my underwears at that time. I wasn't thinking it too far, because somehow in my head, I'm, I'm going back to work. So, you know, keep the clothes clean. Um, I had this kid out of nowhere goes, here you go, some shorts. So I put the shorts on, a shirt, and I start going into the water. Pretty much felt like Baywatch. You know, running in towards the, the water. Yeah. What were you looking for? <laughs> um, I knew that I had messaged my brother telling him that the drains um, had to get unclogged and I had a feeling that no one was going to do it, especially when I seen how high the water was. You know, most people don't tend to go into the water to try to do something about that. So tell us, what are you seeing at this point? Are you seeing, like, the water up above the garages, the windows and such? Um, from the point that I was at, it kind of looked like um, a couple feet of water where I was at. Um, was it moving? Fast? Yeah, it was still moving. It was kind of a, a little current. And then I kind of thought about it. I was like, if I run straight, it's going to be a, a big swim. So I decided to go to the left. Um, there's, a, there's a freeway on that street well, behind my house, and there's like a pretty big wall. So I ran on that wall, I uh, jumped over the back of my house, and um, I kind of went first into the water and tried to help some of the neighbors that I seen on the roofs. And then um, at the corner it, where the uh, drains were that were getting clogged, um, I seen the firemen there, so they were kind of telling us to get out the water. And I seen how high the water was getting over the fence, so I started taking off some plywoods and then the fireman came in and said, you know, like, you got to get out now. So I said, okay, cool. So I agreed. I started um, swimming out. At that point, uh, two people stopped me, and they said, did you see a guy in that house? Um, it was my friend's dad's house. 
Uh, I did not see nobody, and the water was pretty much almost covering the windows. There was probably like four inches left from the window. So I go, I open the door. It was super hard to open. Um, there was a bunch of uh, sofas on the other side, and the first thing I seen was my friend's dad. He waved at me, and I knew he was alive, so that was like, oh, great, you know, like, let's get him out. So he was frozen from the water being so cold. I don't blame him. I was, I was shivering the whole time. So I kind of grabbed him, put him on the back of my shoulders, and kind of walked him out. He's, he's shorter than me, so he, is, he, he doesn't know how to swim. You're still in your underwear at that point, um, right? Well, I'm in the shorts now. So, yeah, it wasn't, I put the shorts on. So I'm, I'm swimming. I'm, I'm taking the guy out. I see those two people. I hand them the, the guy over to them, and they take, it, they take him away. Um, at that point, I, I decided to go to my house, and I started thinking my wetsuit. So I looked everywhere, you know, where is it at? I remember it's in, the, in my closet, so I go inside, uh, try to put it on, but it was so hard to put a wetsuit under pressure. Yeah. You know, I, I never thought about it. So I grabbed the dish soap and I just laddered myself, you know, and it made it really easy to slip it right on after that point. Um, at that, I grabbed my flippers, I ran downstairs, prepared myself to jump into the murky water I'm not trying to think about what kind of water it was, just, you know, focus on the goal. Uh, at that point, I seen a kayak guy um, paddling on by. Uh, I decided to use him to, I asked him if he can take me over to the spot that I had to go to where the drains were at, just to conserve energy, because I was getting pretty tired already at that point. Uh, the kayak guy agreed. He uh, floated me over there, and um, at the point where he left me, I was looking around, at that point, I didn't quite know what to do, and I seen a big two-by-four float my direction. I kind of seen it as a calling, like, that's it right there. So I grabbed it, um, I shoved it into the water in the bottom, and I kind of dragged it against the, uh, the curb. And as soon as I found that drain, I went under and started attacking it, and um, I managed to get a couple of plastics off, uh, some debris, there was a lot of mud on it, and a screen that the city had put to work on the streets, because they were probably working on the streets before this happened. I don't know if they have to do that or what, but I took that screen off, and instantly the water started flushing away. It's like if I flushed the toilet. Um, like a whirlpool? Yeah, whirlpool instantly. Uh, it wasn't like dangerously strong where it was pulling me in, but it was pretty strong. Um, but the point that the water started dropping immediately, it got to my hips, and it started clogging again. Um, I see my neighbor coming out with a rake and he offered to help. You know, I'm with it, come, come through, you know? So he jumped over the other side, started scraping away. Um, there's another drain on the opposite side that I was working on and he managed to unclog that one. Immediately the water just flushed away with both of us attacking the drains. Um, I look back and then I start seeing all my neighbors start walking up and recording, applauding, happy, you know, that. I pretty much did the city's job, I think, you know, and they yeah. gave back to go to their homes. It's just, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Honestly, when I first got to the street, I heard this rumor that there was a scuba diver who had saved everyone. And I was like, scuba diver, scuba diver. So I kept asking down the street, where's the scuba diver? And then you were like, I'm a spear fisherman. <laughs> Let me yeah. ask you. What are people talking about now on the street? Um, what is the, the vibe? You know, obviously people are recovering. There's a lot of trauma probably. Uh, what are people saying? 
Um, honestly, the media is not really showing what's happening on my neighborhood. Um, my neighbors are, are really going through it really bad right now. No one really has their house. Everybody lost their house on my neighborhood, two blocks. Um, I think it's a full square, actually. And um, we're struggling with vouchers and food. I, I dedicate my own time right now for the YMCA to pick up food for the donations. So I'm making sure that my neighbors get fed. But really, we need a lot of help. Um, we need our houses built. We need vultures for hotel stays. Um, if anybody owns any restaurants, it would be great if you guys volunteered and helped out. Um, you, yeah, know. you mentioned food a couple of times. What are, it's just, yeah. just everyday uh, needs. Yeah, pretty much, you know. Everybody needs to have their three meals a day, no matter what. And um, they're already struggling with all their losses and money struggles. You know, we're not rich in that neighborhood. So, yeah, food helps a lot. <laughs> I just wanted to ask and stress, like, it's crazy to me when I first heard your story that someone, when they saw floodwaters like yourself would instantly know about this drain and it being like such a problem. And then like also knowing the, and you walked me all along Choya's Creek behind your homes and how clogged it was. Can you talk about like that problem for your community? Um, yeah, so like earlier how you were talking about taxes, you know, we all pay them. Um, well, where's the money really going? Cause um, I lived in my neighborhood for 37 years Probably the last time that I remember having a ditch was when I was like 10. You know, they build houses, they build parks, a skate park. They've done so much and wasted so much money, but our canal stayed the same. Um, overgrown by trees. Um, if Fish and Game comes over saying this, no one can do nothing because, you know, endangered animals or whatever protected. Um, you know, our money is going somewhere, but it ain't going into our neighborhood. And... The fact that these trees, I mean, trees tell a story. You know, a tree tells you how old it is, you know, by looking at the rings and the branches. So um, these trees are well over 10, 20 years, I'm pretty sure. Um, if you guys go on Google Maps and you look my neighborhood, South Crest, all you're going to see is pretty much like a jungle line. There is no creek. So it's, it was, I think it was more of a, you know, a premeditated thing, maybe. Um, easily, they could have been taken care of. Obviously, they took care of it in two days. So why did it take 30, 30 years for something that could have been fixed in, in two days? Well, that's a question Mackenzie's been asking, and we're going to keep asking. Everybody, Jesse Preciado, huh? Thank you, guys. I think uh, uh, we wanted to bring Jesse up, uh, make sure to tell a story of what it was like, but also what the, the conversation is down there. It's, uh, there's a lot of people really frustrated, a lot of people making uh, a lot of conclusions about the neglect that their neighborhood has faced for a long time and, and uh, what's going to be done about it, if anything. So, all right, I'd like to introduce my co-host for the night. She's the managing editor of Voice of San Diego. Nobody's schnauzers get more love. She's the chief of the Morning Report. She's Andrea Lopez Villafana. What's up, Lopez? Hey, Luis. You got one more day before you go to Hawaii, huh? Yes. Oh, wow, you totally outed me that I'm going to be on vacation. If there's any mistakes in the Morning Report, it's this guy. It's my fault. Yeah, she's, uh, she's been uh, really uh, stepping up into a, a leadership role, not just at Voice, but 
in the community. I'm super proud to have her. Great job lately, Lopez. Thanks. Uh, he's about to crack open the first copy of this year's Parents' Guide to Schools in San Diego. San Diego schools, we're excited to have that out tomorrow. Uh, he's a brilliant writer, musician, not the best hummer. He's okay. He's an okay student at SDSU. It's Jacob McQuinney. What's up, Jacob? How, how dare you? Sorry. How dare you insult my humming? It was I, okay. I, I don't really care so much about the student part, but the humming, that, that hurts. Sorry, man. Was, I, I gave it my all. You did try. It was fine. A lot of car dealerships. Chris with a K got it, a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, I can't thank Chris enough. I, I, I felt like I was standing out there all, all by my lonesome for a second there. That was, that was scary. Yeah. Um, and our special guest tonight, he is a journalist at Axios San Diego, co-host of the most popular podcast about documentaries, about rock music recorded in Golden Hill. And he's the former Voice of San Diego podcast host. I was not excited to see him. Don't let him think I was excited to see him. I was mildly amused to see him. Andy Keats! You go, you go from uh, talking to a guy every day to got to invite him on your show to get to talk to him. Yeah. You could, t you could call me. Could I ever be on Rock Docs, or do I have to know something? Jacob could be on Rock Docs. Jacob could be on Rock Docs. Yeah. What's your favorite documentary about a rock band? I've never seen one. Okay, I think you answered your question then. You've never seen one by accident? I probably have. Yeah. Probably something, yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk to you first. Okay. A story started trending after the floods. And it was one that you did a couple years ago about storm water. That the city of San Diego's infrastructure deficit is actually a storm water deficit. Now, I don't know why people found your story about it. I, I think I, I linked to it in the uh, Axios San Diego daily newsletter. Ah. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you did, because uh -huh. it was really well done. Uh, and I think we should go deeper, if you're up for it. Tell us what the infrastructure deficit is and what the stormwater part of it is. Like uh, conceptually or uh, numerically? Okay. Uh, I mean, the, the, the infrastructure deficit, since they la has almost certainly changed since they last accounted for it. And the next time they account for it, it'll change again, and it always goes up. Um, the reasons for that are, you know, inflation, cost of labor, cost of materials, but also the fact that by not repairing things, they get worse and they, you know, it, it accumulates, the deferred maintenance. It's, let's call it $5 billion. Just throw that. Yeah, yeah $5 let's call billion. it $5 billion. And about half of that is stormwater, is, you know, so the, the, the majority of all of the things that are wrong in the city is accounted for for all of the different stormwater projects we would like to do, that somebody has put on a list that we should do, that you know some decision-making rubric has decided are necessary, that they don't have enough money to do right now. 
and, and, and so maybe, maybe just bring it back down to like an elementary level here for us. What is stormwater infrastructure? What does that mean? How is it different from water infrastructure in general? It's all of the systems that take rainwater and bring them in control when they, before they go into all of our tributaries. There's essentially, you know, you're often talking about two things when you talk about stormwater. One is flood control, and the other is quality of water, cleanliness of water, and not polluting the, the, uh, the, the ocean and the bays. And it's actually interesting right now. I think most of the time that people have talked about stormwater over the last decade, it has been about water quality, not about the, pro the potential for vast property damage and loss of life from flooding. Um, you know, that wasn't, that's not true in Southcrest. Southcrest has always been acutely aware of the fact that they are in danger because of the stormwater problem. Um, but if you looked at like the Coast Keeper and the organizations that were potentially pursuing ballot measures over the years, a lot of the times the case they had been making was, this is, you know, this is why you can't go surfing after it, it rains and talking about the, the, the reasons, trying to drum up support for it that way, as opposed to um, many people in southeastern San Diego will lose uh, property and have their lives totally changed. That, well, that's kind of interesting, right? Like, the framing of it, in large part, was about water quality, which is important, but that obviously appeals to certain audiences that don't have to worry about flooding. And then the flooding part, though, is so key. Now, we're talking about pump stations, culverts, drains, uh, we're talking about uh, maintenance stuff that needs to happen to, to keep some of those places working, but it's about getting water out and making sure that it's clean when it gets out. But the other part is that um, there's a lot that can go into that, right? You can have wetlands that clean the water. You can have, if you have concrete, the water just comes off it with whatever's on the concrete. But if, you, if it goes to a patch of dirt or, or uh, some kind of uh, uh, natural habitat first, it cleans it out well, so you, you, you kind of want both. But what, what McKenzie's finding, I think, is that, that conversation about what's a wetland now and the protection of those is also uh, clashing with the flood part. So we're seeing that clash, not just in the narrative, but in the actual practice too. Yeah, and it, I mean, it is interesting politically, you know, it's, it's crass to, you know, this is still a very cute problem that we're going through right now, but it is interesting politically that it was the drastic tragedy that took place in southeastern San Diego that caused somebody to say, okay, we're going to put this on the ballot now. It was not uh, the years and years of discussion. Yeah, if they do. Uh, but it was, it was not the, the concerns about whether you can go surfing in Encinitas. Do you think now that we've had you know, this tragedy, we've all seen the images, we've heard the stories, do you think now that it's being centered more on protecting public property and life, it could be successful? Because you mentioned it's been, you know, put, thrown around before. Well, it, it's certainly at a point where it's not just about, you know, whether you can hop on a surfboard. and It's, it's more about, you know, whether somebody's house is going to be carried away in a torrential downpour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the flip side of it is if people are only concerned about their own personal interests, many people didn't actually experience any problems and don't feel it personally. Um, so, you know, it, it's hard to say. You can see it both ways. So let's talk about what we're talking about. Sean, Council President Sean Elo Rivera put forward, said he's going to 
put a ballot measure up that's going to raise a tax for um, stormwater. It's, it's probably going to take the form of looking at what you own, what property you own, um, measuring it somehow and deciding what that fee is going to be. It might be a flat fee depending on a certain size lot or it might be depending on how many how much square footage of impermeable um, uh, land you have. If you have a big concrete lot, you might have to pay more than if you have a big uh, grass field. Um, now, whether they can do all that survey and make that happen is gonna be a really big question. There's a lot of complex questions that he hasn't answered, um, and we're, we're waiting for that, but they're already polling, I heard, on whether it's successful or not, so they, they're gonna put some framing out. Um, now, there is a plan to put it up on the ballot now they don't want it. We talked about taxes for special purposes needing two thirds of the vote. They're thinking of putting it on the ballot and only asking for 50% of the vote, but not saying anywhere about where the money would go, so that it could just be a general tax to the city government. Then on the same ballot, they might put a ballot measure that says we'd like to borrow the exact amount of money that that's supposed to raise, and then uh, and then we'll use that for the stormwater system. And so they'd be able to get the tax at 50% plus one, and then they'd be able to, to say to the voters, this is what we're gonna use it for in a sort of roundabout way. Uh, is that too clever by half, or is it gonna work? Is that sneaky? I mean, it's, it's not sneaky. I mean, I'm not lying. I mean, I understand it, but I don't know if... Yeah, I mean, look, there's probably a, 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 a relatively easy counter-argument to make there that, you know, for for any sort of opposition group that would come about. You wouldn't have to be a political genius to say, oh, they're, they're doing some sort of bait and switch. They're going to pull in the wool over your Um But, I, you know, I, I think you often, you, you always talk about uh, bank shots, the political bank shots. There's always a consultant who's willing to tell you, like, hey, I just need to sit down with you and explain, like, the genius of this strategy. And, like, we're going we're gonna to put this over here, and if you, like, pick it up and you turn it 35 degrees and look through it, then like that's how you get to the the like complex understanding, and there's a little bit of that, but also like the difference between two thirds support and fifty percent support is probably bigger than whatever whatever sort of downside there is to appearing to be too clever. Well, uh, we're going to be watching that. There's a lot of big uh, uh, questions to answer for sure on that. Um, I think related. So we're going to talk a lot about taxes and fees tonight. Uh, one of them was that uh, there was a tax proposed to raise a, um, a fee or tax on, on the transfer of property. So if you sell a home for more than $2,500,000, you'd have to pay a tax on that. Uh, could be a pretty significant one. Uh, they were going to use that for affordable housing. Uh, just related, if a thousand households were displaced by this, that's not going to help rents coming down. We got news that rents were coming down recently with some of the supply in the market, but if a thousand people, a thousand households are out there looking for new places to rent and a thousand were taken off the market, um, obviously it's not going to be that simple of a number, but that's going to increase demand immediately, probably increase uh, costs immediately, and compound again through the market in a moment when we don't need that to happen. Uh, but affordable housing is on the tip of people's, on the top of people's mind a lot. They passed this. They call it a mansion tax in L.A. Um, wait, wait. How many people here watch Selling Sunset? Selling Sunset fans? 
Okay, if you've seen the latest, latest season, you've heard these ladies talk about the mansion tax. Really? I, They're I fans? I a video. They're not fans. <laughs> they sell big mansions, and so they, throughout they the show... Homes. I they mean, sell homes. I mean, I think homes. that would be... In, in L.A., I, I feel like that would be enough information to know they are. I'm They're just, not fans I'm, of attacks. I'm teeing her up. Okay, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. But they've spent a great amount of time on the show explaining how they really need to sell these, you know, $5 million mansions before the millionaire's tax kicks in. Yeah, did... I'm excited, did they? I think it's all a show. I don't know. I don't think they actually sell homes. Okay. <laughs> but you have some news. Well, yeah. I mean, so it was when Council President Nilo Rivera announced that he was going to pursue this uh, stormwater tax, it was understandable that there was going to be some fallout of that politically. Uh, not just the mansion tax, also, uh, you know, Mayor Todd Gloria and Councilman Raul Campillo have been pursuing their own potential sales tax increase. Um, hasn't been a lot of details on that lately, um, but they won't talk to me about it. They won't talk to me about it either. But so maybe they'll talk. They to should me. talk to me about it. But, I could help explain or hold them accountable. They would love that. Yeah, but you know, however much uh, you know, genuine data there is supporting the long-held theory in San Diego that two tax measures on the same ballot will cannibalize support from each other and sink them both. Um, you know, there's been some dissent. I saw Mike Zuckett told you he doesn't really believe that that's true. Uh, it was nonetheless easy to see that when some, when Council President Nilo Rivera made a like strong charge, put a, put a flag in the ground, I'm going to do this, something else was going to give, and that has happened now. The Housing Federation has abandoned the uh, mansion tax that will not be on the ballot. So they'll have that announcement. Breaking in the next news from Axios San Diego correspondent. Andy Keats, the Housing Federation, has decided not to pursue San Diego's version of the quote-unquote mansion tax. Yeah, maybe we'll see it next cycle, but for now, that's dead. Now, now I know Housing Federation isn't, you know, Todd Gloria, but does abandoning the mansion tax, does that vibes-wise feel like big city energy to you? <laughs> no. Um, I actually didn't hear that, but yeah. it sounded funny, so... <laughs> He said, is abandoning the mansion tax big city energy or no? I don't know. You, you, have a take you guys get the joke? Yeah. You get the big city? Yeah, you're, you're fans. Of, you know this shit. But nothing says big city like saying big was, city, right? You know, I, I will say that like, the, the, when, when that whole big city energy thing, I think that came about like on election night of uh, 2020. And I, one of the things they specifically started talking about right away was like, we will be pursuing tax measures. We're not going to hide behind these things yeah. anymore. Um, so, you well, know, see, can we're, I just we're say, in the vibe there. I think the mayor has been terrible on this particular issue because a mayor could sit down with everybody who matters in San Diego and say, we're going to pursue this tax. We're not going to pursue that tax. What do you think we should do about this one? What do you think... And instead, this one's like, I don't know. I don't know. What do you, th I, I'll, I'll think about supporting this or not. And, and all of these people just go and do their own thing. And then there, there are all these taxes up there. And if they do cannibalize themselves, they're all going to be upset about it. But he hasn't shown any initiative to frame the conversation or to set the narrative. You can't even get him to admit that he supports some of them. He can't, this, this, this full cent sales tax 
that he's been talking about with, with people at City Hall for the last year now, he won't, he won't articulate what it's for. It's now a few months away from needing to be discussed, and it, 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 there's another sales tax on the ballot because he wouldn't talk about the need for one or the other on the ballot. So, well, he did come out in support of the, that one, famously. Did he, did he come out? Or did, was, he, did he allow it to be known that he supported it? I think it was like a tweet by a, uh, a signature a, gatherer, right? It was a right? tweet, yeah. By an actual signature Wait, gatherer. I don't remember this. Yeah, they, they posted a tweet saying, we got the mayor's support. And everybody's like, really? And then, yeah. Which I, I think that happened. Like, a signature gatherer literally walked up to him and was like, will you sign this? Signed this. And when they did, they were like, they took his picture and tweeted it. Yeah. Like, he supports the measure. <laughs> so, uh, I, I think there's something. But as you're saying that, do you, you know... You, there was a mayor before this. Do you remember your the, the Faulkner Doctrine? Yeah, you are you are describing the Faulkner Doctrine. Well, the Faulkner Doctrine we usually refer to as the the homeless thing, where you 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 push homeless people no, around, no, 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 but then no, you the, the Faulkner Doctrine before that was your like lead from behind. Yeah, you know that, that he doesn't he doesn't stake a claim on things. He waits, allows people to sort things out right. among themselves, and then whichever one that's, prevails. That's Faulkner Doctrine version one. Oh, version one, yeah. 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 Well, that's, uh, that's San Diego mayors, I guess. That's just what they do. It's so good seeing you guys vibe again, <laughs> being friends. Stop it. The chemistry is Stop. beautiful. I don't yeah. miss him at all. You love I do, it. I do feel like there's some civic flirtation going on across this table. <laughs> we just... We, we could just sit, like, you know the, the tweet, uh, guys could just get together and re remember some old NBA players for an hour? We could just get together and remember each other's articles from yeah. the last decade. Yeah, should we, should we all leave? Do you want, do you want us that? to give you some space? They said, should we bring Andy Keats up? And I was like, I guess. That'd be fine. <laughs> He's like, I, I, I guess. He's like, I, I, I guess. <laughs> I guess that'd be cool. Yeah. All right, let's talk about another tax. So, uh, Sandag has a big transportation plan still, right? I mean, they always have a plan. Yeah. It depends how yeah, excited you want to be about it at any a time. A plan for a plan. Yeah. So plan. part of the plan is to build the rail connection to the airport, which you are find to be very valuable, right? Um, yeah. What is it now? $700 million? A billion? Two billion? How much is it? The, the uh, airport? I don't know the latest cost estimate offhand. It's it's expensive. a lot. It's a lot. It's like a full trolley line. It's like so, it's, it's it's as much as like the mid coast trolley was. So a group of unions and other uh, uh, supporters, activists have put forward an initiative, and they got enough signatures. Congratulations to get the measure on the ballot to raise the countywide sales tax by a half cent, uh, and that would go to fund part of the transportation plan for Sandag, but. Um, they need to get that voted. They only need 50% plus one because it's a citizen's initiative. It's not an, a government putting the ballot initiative up. It's the citizens. Um, where do we think about that? Do, we, are you, do, you, do you see people pining for a sales tax these days, Andrea? People like, I want to pay more for stuff? I, keep, I always gauge, like, you know, I'll talk to my girlfriends at brunch or my boyfriend or, you know, people who are maybe sadly not reading Voice of San Diego every day. Um, so are they even my friends? Um, but, I, you know, I try to gauge, like, where they're at. And any time I've mentioned any 
you know, tax related things or what's happening. They're like, what? That's insane. Like everything is so expensive. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's given bad vibes, I think, for people. It's a funny thing with these tax measures and, or, or the, from the uh, Sandag in 2016 or the Charger Stadium. It's like they fail when they need 66%. And people are like, thing's a dismal loser. Absolute. Yeah, yeah. It got a, absolute super, a vast majority of people supported it, but it's like, ah, I can't. Absolute assist. scrub idiot. Everyone who worked on it should like, be out of a job for a decade. It got yeah. like 58%. Like, if it was a candidate, it would be, like, a landslide victory. Uh, like, and so the one in 2016, which there was a scandal, like, a literal scandal going on at the time that people were voting on it, got, like, 58% of the vote. It could lose 8%. Did you see what he did there? Talked he just, about the scandal The he scandal uncovered. that he created? Yeah. He's like, oh, that, that happened. Yeah. Right. I don't know if you heard about yeah. the, the big story yeah. I did. But in any case, it could lose 8% from that and still pass. Yeah. So, I mean, the reason everyone has been chasing these signatures to get on the ballot is because it's a very big difference from chasing the two-thirds vote. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, um, I think the big question there is what part of the plan will it fund and what won't it? It's all laid out in there, a lot of road repair. They're going to talk about road repair extensively. People always react to roads. Roads, roads, roads. Um, uh, now infrastructure seems to be taking a higher level uh, conversation in the community. Um, you know, everybody's talking about homelessness and, the, and the, the crisis with homelessness and housing and the cost of living, but infrastructure is right there. And with stormwater, it's gonna get even more prominent. I, I think the question is, do people understand that these would help or, that, uh, or is it a separate conversation? Is it removed from the stormwater that Jesse was talking about? Is it removed from, the, st from the, the roads that they think about? Do they really see that connection? Yeah. And also, I, I mean, at the heart of the theory that like two sales taxes on the same ballot will cannibalize each other is the idea that like a voter has these like, is closely linking all these different things on the ballot and thinking about them in the same terms. And it's like, I, I don't know, like would you, would a, would a standard voter, would a typical voter immediately think like, wait, what are you going to do to my stormwater bill, a, a parcel tax? Oh, wait, now, now I'm definitely going to be out on a sales tax increase. Like, I, I, you know, like I, I just don't think that everyone thinks about these things in the way that interest groups think about them, where they're immediately linking all attempts to increase revenue as part and parcel in the same effort. Yeah, I think it would be a mistake for people to to think that voters are looking at their ballot almost like a checkbook and trying to balance things, right? I know before I really started paying attention to, to, to news, if I saw something that I supported, like schools, the broad concept of like, hey, kids should get smart, <laughs> or like, hey, kind of trolleys are pretty cool, I, I would vote for them regardless of how many times they're on the ballot. And, and you know, I, I, I have a feeling that, that lots of people vote much more ideologically than they do as, a, you know, a, a, an element of, of, of what they understand their checkbook to look like, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, the reason we're going to hear so much about the trial at the airport is it polls really well. People, like, that, that is like a, you don't have to, like, have, like, sit somebody down and have a complex explanation of induced demand 
to like get them to like the idea. They already are like, why doesn't the trolley go there? It's right, like, it's right there. Why, well, like, it's like such a common sense thing. It's like, does two plus two equal four? Or that would probably get, you know, I wouldn't say a hundred percent, but but a pretty good, you know, a percentage of voters on, you know, in November. Well, we're in the Midway District, beautiful Midway District, the heart of Midway, right here. I'm a big fan of it. I love this area. It's, it's got a lot of potential. Uh, and especially with the height uh, limit increase, there's now no height limit for this entire area, all the way through this sports arena. If anybody has any wealth, they might consider deploying it in some buildings around here because that would be a good investment. I don't sell anything. I don't have any wealth. But that would be fun. It would be fun to deploy some wealth in this area. So are you talking about like a 10-story Lay Girls? I, I would buy Lay Girls. I don't need to be there, but that's a great location for a high-rise. I would do that. Just like an elevator of like adult bookstores? <laughs> no, we would take that out. Oh, come on. Cut it out. Now you're just talking about gentrifying the fun stuff. No, yeah, absolutely. That needs to be gentrified. It's not, not a pretty place. But, but you leave my TJ Maxx alone. Oh, I forgot that's even there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. TJ Maxx, Home Goods, Ulta? Yeah. The, the old frontier neighborhood has got the, it's got the goods now. Um, but let's, let's do a review quickly. So the, the city is in negotiations right now with the developer that wants to redo the 40 acres of land that the city owns at Sports Arena. Those negotiations appear to be progressing. Now, I was intrigued to see the group that lost those bids form a political action committee, an independent expenditure to support the mayor, the exact same group of people, except they're not hometown SD anymore. They're big city SD, it's hometown to big city. They've changed, put on a different coat. That sounds pretty presumptuous, right? That, that's assuming that this is a big city. It's telling people it is, right? It's like, we're a big city. It is funny, because hometown is such a, is like, obviously angling for like the softer, gentler version. It's like, yeah. it's like this is, we're, we're the unobtrusive new neighbors, you know? Yeah, that, well, that's what their whole pitch was. was remember? Their whole pitch. The yeah. arena was going to be smaller. It was going to have homes. a better relationship with the surrounding community, uh, fewer homes, and they lost the bid, but then they formed this independent expenditure. So I was like, well, does that mean they think something's cooking? It's like, uh, it's, it's not the wisest way to get to the public support for your bid is to just pay the mayor directly. It's, but it's, it's pretty funny because... Not directly. It's a side investment in yes, the campaign. No, it doesn't go talk. to his pocket. Yeah, right. No, I, it's funny, though, because the biggest problem facing the developer that was selected when they came to a city council vote was the revelation that he had previously made a large donation to yeah. the mayor's political action committee. Yeah. And so... It's it would a, be an odd step. It's, a, it's an odd idea to be like, ooh, this thing might come up on the market again. We, we should, should make a large it. donation to the Bears Political Action Committee. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> I mean, although, I guess he got the deal. Yeah, he so got the deal. They're, maybe they're like, well, shit, we should have like, done do, that. Let's do exactly what they do. They're doing it, they're doing it for the plot. It's yeah. For the plot. Yeah. So, uh, 
I don't think it's in trouble. I don't get any indication. I've been trying to poke around and nobody will tell me it's falling apart. So I think what comes up with a lot of these conversations is how literally can the community handle the amount of, of, of you know, traffic and, and impact that it might have? And I think the answer is always, well, we haven't had the chance to deal with it. Let's see what, what kind of frequency of buses could improve, what kind of uh, other options and different ways people can get around can improve. But it would vastly change this area to watch the high limit go up and the sports arena thing change. Do you have any sense of, of how the projects, those major projects are going forward or um, uh, you know, what might happen now? I mean, every, everybody associated with the project in the city says, is saying, I, it, things are going well. We're we're moving fast, and 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 you know it's not falling apart. There's been some changes, and the woman who did the whole deal got fired. Yes, 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 yes. Penny Moss, the director of real estate assets for the city, she's just fired. Yeah, which we should do some reporting on that. <laughs> right, she's just gone. Yeah. To your point about how the community handles this, like it's always important with these things to remember, like. 5,000 units don't just appear overnight. Yeah. They don't even appear in one like build. It would, it's, it's like a 20-year thing that would have presumably people changing their behavior and rebuilding infrastructure in the surrounding area as you do it. Um, so yes, it would, be, it, would, it would be a drastic change for this area, but it would be a drastic change for this area that would play out over multiple decades, not overnight. Yeah. Your TJ Maxx is safe for now. I mean, that project has undergone some like material changes since they signed the, the lease. And yeah, like, they did. They got rid of the hotel. They got rid of, they the got rid of the, some of the middle-income units. Yeah. But uh, the hotel workers union don't seem too upset about the hotel. They seem fine. They seem fine, and you know the the middle-income units. I think they would have had a bigger problem if they were getting rid of the low-income units, but they also had made a, a, a pretty significant public pitch about the value of the middle-income units, and those were the first to go. Um, I think that the, like, it is true that they didn't know everything about the site, they didn't know everything, and they hadn't fully developed a plan, and so it was bound to change. And that's true and fair. But also, it's true that, like Raul Campillo, on the day that the city council announced it, said, let's be real, this isn't a real plan we're voting on. It's going to be vastly different when it comes forward, and by that point, it'll be too late for us to say that the deal's not good enough anymore. Well, they could say no. They could say no, and his, his point at the time was... Like, the trains that we We're, yeah. we're going to be pot committed. We're going to, you know, it's going to be two years. We're not going to restart the whole process. And, uh, you know, I, it, I, I, don't, I don't think, if anybody had any objection to him saying that, I don't think it was that it was untrue. Well, we are going to give you a chance to ask a question, but you got to play a game. Okay, come on up, come on right here. What's your name? Brian. Where do you live? Uh, Golden Hill. Oh, man. Do you have to see him every once in a while, or? Every now and again. All right, uh, go ahead. One more game. You have to get at least two right to win a prize. Okay? First question. Which San Diego politician announced that they're running for governor in 2026? A, Shirley Weber. 
B, Tony Atkins. C, Carl DeMaio. D, Lorena Gonzalez. B, Tony Atkins. Oh, okay. That's right, that's right. These questions are funny. Uh, there is an entity responsible for regulating government boundaries. It's called LAFCO. L-A-F-C-O. What does LAFCO stand for? A, Local Agency Formation Commission. B, Local Agency Federation Collective. C, Local Arrangement Fiduciary Committee. D, Local Administration Foundation Cohort. A. Ah, LAFCO fans. Any LAFCO fans here? Three. Which is the biggest source of money for California's public schools? A, state government, B, federal government, C, local government, D, PTA fundraisers. D. D. It's A, state government. <laughs> but two out of three, we got a winner. Woo! What's your question? Um, I think uh, somewhat lost in a lot of the reporting on the need for um, emergency shelter beds and for you know safe campsites and a lot of these kind of short-term solutions for homelessness. Uh, where are we at on transitional housing? That that space between free shelter bed and two thousand dollar apartment um, is that being worked on? Is there funding for it? Where, where are we at on that? Well, um, that's a great question, Lisa. Do you want to try? <laughs> Lisa Halverson, everybody. There's no one in this room, I think, more prepared to answer the question than, than Lisa Halverstadt. Oh, well, so actually the federal government has had us dial back transitional housing, which was used to be that thing between you'd go to emergency shelter. In the city of San Diego, we used to just have winter shelters. Now we have year-round shelters. Um, and historically, we had a lot of places where after somebody went to a shelter, then they would go to another program that might be up to two years or so, and they would, you know, teach them job skills or other things. And we've transitioned to housing first. And with that, we've basically said from the shelter, you should get housing through that process, you know, have housing navigators and others. So we've dialed back that in between. As for housing, you know, I think... Um, you know, clearly there's not enough happening on that front in terms of, you know, we're adding more shelter as a city, but we're not adding the same amount of new housing opportunities that people can go into. Um, and I couldn't just like throw out numbers off the top of my head here, but I can say clearly there is more investment happening in the area of housing, but not nearly enough to meet the need. Is that about to cover it? Is that okay? <laughs> Well, I appreciate uh, everybody coming out. Um, uh, you know, you're the heart of uh, a Voice of San Diego, all of you. Um, we're always uh, on the edge, different venues, different uh, experiments with content, different things we're trying to do. But at the heart of it is to make sure people can talk about local public affairs intelligently and make uh, face consequences and, and dilemmas directly so that we can approach and find solutions and force people to, to deal and, and step up as leaders. And all of you contributing to that matters. Uh, news is gonna depend in the future and depends now on all of uh, people like you being involved in making it happen, in funding it. And uh, we hopefully have some, some great announcements coming up about what we can do. 
Our, uh, our parents' guide to San Diego schools is coming out this weekend. It's very popular for, for people with kids that are trying to figure out a system that's as complex and, and troubled and interesting as any of them. Uh, but that's our core mission is to make sure people have, have the chance to learn about their community uh, from directly from the source in a way that they can understand. Uh, and we'll keep experimenting with different things like this, and we appreciate you coming along with us. Uh, so I'm going to have Voice San Diego, uh, Lopez, Jacob, Andy. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having us.